the matter of the people of the state of California versus Orenthal James Simpson, case number BA09. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country and we can are do for back you. On Wednesday. Hi, Taylor. Hello, Fars. How are you? I'm doing very, very well. It is a continuation of our Sunday, and we are going to just trotting on then. Um, welcome to yeah. Doom to Fail. Today, we are covering the historical side of our Doom to Fail relationship event slash thing. And Taylor is drinking an entire slice of chocolate cake mixed with and blended with milk and ice cream. Why do you think I, why, why do you think I'd be doing that? Because you said you were doing that 20 minutes ago. Saying use your context clues. Who do you think I'm talking about? Oh, God. Okay, so we're talking about Chicago. Um, who's the... Oh, we're not, we're not talking about Chicago. We're, not ta- we're talking about cake. <laughs> oh. Oh, you really threw Sorry, me there. Um, oh, I did. Oh, oh so okay. I, um, so it's got to be either Taft... Um. Oh, let them eat cake. Is it Marie Antoinette? Yes. Wow, really? Is. Yeah, good job. Well, I'm, yeah, I'm good, really good at this. Um. <laughs> so, okay, we're going back to apparently my favorite time period, which is the Enlightenment, and we're talking Marie Antoinette and her husband Louis the Sixteenth. This is a long and a good one, and there's so much stuff. It's pretty fun. <laughs> So, awesome. Um, I, I yeah, I'm excited. So I, in 2020, I read a ton of books because I had nothing else to do. But I read Marie Antoinette: The Journey by Antonia Fraser then, and then this week I read Marie Antoinette: The Last Queen of France by Evelyn Levay, and then I also watched the Sofia Coppola movie from 2006. Have you watched that? 2006? No. Well, with Kirsten Dunst. I, you know what's funny is whenever you mention it, I pictured Kirsten Dunst, but I think it was because I was picturing Romeo and Juliet, not Marie Antoinette. She's, she's not in that. That's Claire Danes. Yeah. Oh, my God. That is – wait, who's Kirsten Dunst then? <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That, no, I remember no, something. Claire Danes, man. What happened um, to Claire Danes? She was in that show about the Middle East and stuff that everybody loved with yeah. – Man, I hope she's, anyway, I hope she's doing well. I think she's fine. She's married. She's married to the guy who actually she's married to the guy who played the cop in the TV show Hannibal. No way. Mm-hmm. Every story comes back together. She has nothing to. That's not true because she has nothing to do with this. <laughs> she just <laughs> thought that she was Kirsten Dunn. <laughs> and so, yet again, yet again, I've derailed another episode. <laughs> um but anyway i remember seeing it in the theater and i was it ended and i was like what i was like so mad and like i didn't love it but watching it again and knowing more about um, maria internet as a person i I like it a lot more kirsten Dunst did a great job kind of showing her humanity and the things that she was really really good at and kind of her situation so i'll talk a little bit more about what that means but i also um a couple other websites that if i told you about them right now it would spoil, so I'll put them in the show notes. So when I'm researching, like I've said before, and getting super into things, I want to like think like that person for the week when I'm doing my lifetime worth of research in a week. And do you, have you ever seen this? I've seen it on Instagram. It was like a Kurt Vonnegut quote about buying envelopes. 
Mm, tell me the I quote and I might know it. So I might, I might even look it up. But the idea is that like, he's like, oh, I need an envelope. And his wife is like, you can go buy an envelope online. And he's like, no, I want to go to the store. I want to see people. I want to like romanticize the little things in my life, you know? Yeah, makes sense. Um, So like making the small things special. And if you are Marie Antoinette, everything is special, including you, you know? Yeah. Like, everything's a little bit magical. Everything is special. So that's sort of the the vibe that she gives off. So. Maria Antonia was born on November 2nd, 1755, at the Hofburg Palace in Vienna, Austria. So for reference, Louis the 16th, um, he was born on August 23rd, 1754. So they're like he's a year older than her. They're roughly similar in ages. Um, Marie Antonia, that was her name before she was French. She was the last daughter of um, Maria Teresa. So Maria Teresa was a one of the last Hop- Habsburgs in like that line of Habsburgs who've talked about before and she ruled over Austria in like a bunch of different ways. It's complicated. There was a war of Austrian secession, all these things happening. Um, as a dad isn't really in these stories because her mom is so prolific. She's just like someone who's trying to get her kids married off and she's doing all these deals. And she's really interested in like Austria and keeping that part of Europe strong. She had 16 children Three of them died in childhood, and Marie Antoinette was the 15th, wow. which is a lot of fucking children. Um, Maria Teresa said that if she was not always pregnant, she would have gone into battle herself, which is cool and fun. So that's like the kind of mom that she had. Yeah. So this is similar to Catherine the Great. Um, I'll bring her up a little bit more, but Catherine the Great's mom was very similarly trying to get her daughters married off and, and you know grow the line and... It's somehow the Holy Roman Empire and Austria-Hungary, and this is why like Napoleon could do things like have his sister be Queen of Naples, because there's always a Queen of Naples, which is fun. So Maria Teresa, Maria Antoinette's mom, was married to Francis I, Holy Roman Emperor. Of all of their kids, there were several archduch- archduchesses, two Holy Roman Emperors, an Archduke, um, and then Maria... Carolina, the Queen of Naples and Sicily. There was a Duke of Beresgau, and then there was Marie Antoinette, who was the Queen of France. So she did pretty well for someone trying to get her kids to have like good jobs. Yeah, she seems uh she seemed like she had a plan for her kids. Yes, exactly. So a lot happens, and Maria Antonia is promised Louis the Sixteenth when she is fourteen in seventeen seventy. So her childhood was, like, obviously very nice. She lived in these, like, palaces in Vienna. And she also met Mozart when she was a child, which is cute. They were both kids when they met. Um, She was hard to teach and didn't really want to learn, but she could sing and dance. So she was just kind of, like, a spoiled rich kid for the most part. But, like, not to her fault. So a little bit more about, like, why what happened to Marie Antoinette happened to Marie Antoinette and why what happened to Catherine the Great happened to Catherine the Great. Catherine the Great was a little bit older. She was born in 1729, but it's the same idea. You send your European wife to another European, Russian, whatever place to marry the, the, the monarch or the next in line to hope to like preserve your line and move it on. Marie Antoinette was like very, very young and she didn't really have that like political acumen that Catherine the Great had. Catherine the Great went in and she was like, I want to be Russian. I want to learn the language. I want to upgrade the society. I want to help the people. She was it's smarter than her husband and she was a better. regular girl. Catherine the Great? Yeah, she did. She obviously did. Killed. 
No, they didn't. Catherine the Great died when she was old. Wait, who was Sir Nicholas's wife? No, no, no. That's that's way, 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 way later. Oh, okay. All right. I also don't know history. Yeah. Keep going. Sorry. Oh my God, it's our first episode. Re-listen to our episodes, Faris. So, yes, just kidding. Um, so Marina Marie Antoinette has none of the qualities that Catherine the Great had, which is fine. Like, people, if I feel like ninety nine point nine percent of people in the situation would be like, fine, I'll like live in this palace forever and kind of be sad but not worry about it when Catherine the Great was like I'm going to be the ruler you know she has something special that Marie Antoinette did not have so there's a bunch of people in this story Um, I'm going to bring them up this is not in order but I'm just going to pull out some of the interesting parts I think the doom to fail part is that arranged marriages during revolutions can go either way so either you're Catherine the Great and you get your husband killed so you can rule or you're Marie Antoinette and you both die this is like the time when people were like just sick of monarchies, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it seems like you just have to pick the right husband, either the guy that you can mm-hmm. steamroll and take over or the idiot who gets you and your kids killed. Yeah. Yeah. Or you're just like living a boring life at court forever, which I don't know. I'm kind of down with that. that I, I, I like to lay around and read all day. Yeah. So in 1770, Maria Antoinette is on her way to France. So she's still Maria Antonia. When she steps into France, she's Maria Antoinette. She has a little portrait of Louis XVI, and he's a little one of her. So they like don't they haven't met obviously, but they have these little like, pictures of each other, um, little paintings of each other. Um, Louis is the next in line because his dad died, and his grandfather is the king. His grandfather is like this guy who has like this like flamboyant mistress and he like loves women and that's like a big thing and everyone knows it which is important that's just the grandpa so Marie Antoinette is taken through the woods into a literal like a tent in the woods between Austria and France it's on the border so she walks in as an Austrian and leaves French while she's in the tent they change her they get rid of everything Austrian that she had on her and change her into all French clothes and then she walks through and she is French you know yeah it's very like, um like you yeah. it's very ceremonial it sounds like yeah and everything is in the story so when she walks out of the tent the king and Louis are there she, they say hello for the first time she is very formal and doing the right thing. She's like, I'm so happy to be here. Like, thank you, everyone. I'm so happy. This is amazing. And she's 14. You know, she's being told to say these things. He's a little bit indifferent, probably a little scared. But um, but they, that's when they meet for the first time. And they're married really quickly afterwards. So when after they get married, they live at Versailles. Have you been to Versailles? No, oh, no. My cousin literally just came back from France and went to Versailles and said it was like, it was stunning, but I, I think you just had to say that. It's like when everybody goes to the Louvre and says, oh, my God, the Mona Lisa was life-changing. It's like, was it? Or is it just, like, another thing that you have to say socially to be cool? I don't know. I think Versailles is actually stunning. So I've, I haven't been there either, but we should go. I We talked about this a little bit with Lizzie Borden. I think I brought it up because Lizzie Borden at her house, there were no hallways. Like, there are no hallways in Versailles. It's just, like, room after room after room, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, when when I was um, when I was just in Seattle, um, I visited a coworker's house, and it was interesting because like his he was doing a tour, and like his bedroom had like a door to another room that had a door to the yeah. stairs, and I was like, when was this thing yeah. built? Because I remember that they built houses that didn't have hallways. It was like, it, 
it looked like it was designed like that. It looked like it was like two, two rooms that were supposed to be separate that you had to walk through to get from one side to the next. And then the house yeah. was built like the 1960s. I was like, I didn't know it was like that weird of a concept to have hallways back then, but maybe it was. I don't think so. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. But yeah, but that's what that's what it's like in Versailles. If like everything is very public, you have to like walk through everyone's stuff. So it's a it's it used to be a hunting lodge, which is like in air quotes. It was always like a very beautiful palace, and then um, kings as they as they were living there, they built more things on it, and it got bigger and bigger. It's eleven miles from Paris, so it's not very far from Paris. It's kind of close, and it has. 2,300 rooms and it's 679,784 square feet. Jeez. It's very big. Yeah. Um. So, and it has to be big because like a shit ton of people live there. There's courtiers who have small apartments that are like worse than their apartments in, Pal- in Paris, but they're like grateful to have them. There's dukes and such that have a larger set of rooms. Then there's an the infrastructure to keep that. So if I'm like Fars, Duke of Austin, come stay with me at Versailles. You're like, totally, that sounds great. Here are my 10 people I'm bringing with me. You know, like the dude who dresses me, the dude who shines my shoes, the dude who does this, you know, so there's so many people involved and you have to feed everyone and there's kids everywhere. So it's very crowded in there. It's like, it's, it's like a city. It's so wasteful. In Versailles. Yeah. Ex- well, yes, exactly. So it's not like there isn't any pomp and ceremony in Austria. There totally is. It's also very beautiful. She also lived in a palace, but France is something different. It's like really like high, high, high pomp and ceremony. So one of the people that she meets almost immediately is Anne de Noy. And listen, I'm going to try my best with these. So I listened to the book. So I have like a kind of idea how they pronounce them, but de Noy is D E N O A I L L E S. So she's the Comtesse de de Noy. De Noy, Comtesse de Noy. There we go. She's the first lady in waiting for the queen. So she knows all the rules. So in the morning when Marie Antoinette wakes up, there's like this crazy dressing ceremony where there's like 20 women in the room and they hand her each piece of clothing clothing one by one because it's like an honor to do that. Like, oh, it's an honor to hand you your sock, you know, things like that. So there was no privacy in Versailles. Everyone was there. Um, the Comtesse de Noy was kind of like hovering over over everything. Marie Antoinette called her Madame Etiquette because she knew all the rules and like really, really stood by all the rules. Um, just to mention later, um, she will be guillotined. This well. place, but, this place, like it reminds me of like the warmth and comfort you'd experience at the Beast Mansion and Beauty and the Beast. Like it is... Ex- it's exactly that, yeah. Stupid over the top. Like... Yes. <laughs> Not cozy at all. No, it's not cozy. Absolutely. I feel like you're pretty uncomfortable because your clothes are uncomfortable. <laughs> There's people everywhere. There's no it privacy. It probably smells like shit you know. everywhere, too. It definitely smells terrible. There is, I didn't write this down, but there is one thing that um, one dude goes to America and he comes back and he's like, hey, do you guys know that the women in America wash themselves with soap? He's like, they, like, they smell pretty good. <laughs> What on yeah. earth are you talking so, yes, about? No. Witchery. It's There's like horses everywhere, you know. Yeah. So Versailles is crazy. Um, on their wedding night, after the wedding, like ceremony party itself, everyone's in the be- in the bedroom with them. So like tons of people, dukes, duchesses, courtiers, everyone's there. 
the ceremony is the king gives a pair of pajamas to Louis the 16th. And then, oh, I guess he's not the 16th yet, but to Louis. And then the top lady in the in the monarchy gives pajamas to Marie Antoinette. They get to change in private. Then they get to sit in the they sit in the bed together in their PJs, and everybody sees them. And the king's like, good luck and everybody cheers and then they have to see them together in bed like that's a huge part of it and then they close the curtains and everybody leaves and continues to have a party and now they're left alone these two like a 14 year old and a 15 year old in bed together were they supposed so, to like do it or yes they're supposed to have kids like immediately and um they do not they do not have sex on that first night they don't have sex for a while um it's weird with guys like this like with peter the third with Catherine the Great's husband, like they also didn't have sex for a while. And it sounds like everyone around them was having sex, like not, maybe not in front of them, but like his friends all knew what was going on, but maybe they were like pretending, maybe they embarrassed these guys and like they didn't ask the right questions because they just like don't necessarily know what to do, you know? Yeah, they're and, like, 14. No one ta- no yeah, they just like assume that they would know how so it sounds like there might have been i think this is the same for peter the third that it is for louis that like an operation might have helped like a little bit of like a foreskin operation that would have made them be able to like <clears throat> excuse me like actually have sex but either way they just like don't know what they're doing um so louis he like loves um locks and keys he does all this like nerdy stuff he doesn't really talk to her but he's nice to her um and he could be worse he could be peter the third who's like actively the worst remember he was a wet noodle from a long time ago yeah so um while she's waiting to be useful meaning have a baby she wants to go to paris so she sneaks out and goes to like masked balls in the city she loves the theater she does little performances so she like will put on a play she put on um the marriage of figaro sometime later in in her life so she sings and she dances she loves to party she loves to gamble so marie antoinette will play cards until dawn um Mm -hmm. so she'll gamble and she has all this money and she just has like jewels and stuff and louis is okay with that he like he like loves her in his way he's like this is my wife it's not like he's sleeping with anybody else he gives her gifts he's just like not really into her or maybe anyone that way she buys things like she buys diamond bracelets that cost the same as like a mansion in paris (laughs) There's a lot of diamonds in this story. So crazy. Um, this is also it's so stupid. And this is also when she meets Leonard Atui, who's the hair guy. He's the guy who, with her together, they invented the big hair, big hair, big hair thing, which is great. So, like, the higher and higher hair stuff, that's, like, obviously that you think of when you think of her. She did it with this hairdresser guy. It's called a so bee, beehive, kind of, right? No, it's, like, way more than a beehive. Like, a beehive is something you can do with, like, your own hair in the 60s, but her thing, it's, like, you know, three feet above your head. This like, and everyone's hair was, like, powdered and white, you know, because it's still the, um, you know, like, how, like, the same time as, like, George Washington, his hair was powdered, you know? Like, big wigs. Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I'm looking at her picture. She's really pretty. If if these pictures do her justice. I think they're close, and I'll tell you how I know that later, but um, she... Another thing with the hair that I was thinking as an aside is like, have you ever done like a exfoliating face mask on your face? What What do you <laughs> think the answer to that? What do you think the answer to that is? Just out of curiosity. Every night, every night. Um, so if you do ones, I've done them before, like they come in different colors, you know, depending on what's in it. You know what I mean? But when you put on like a white clay mask and you smile, your teeth look terrible because you're like, my teeth. Every, your teeth against actual pure white, like they're not white, you know? Yeah, yeah. And 
I'm just imagining that like they don't talk about this, but like everyone's teeth must have just looked yellow and terrible because <laughs> they have like powdered white skin and powdered right here and these beautiful dresses, but their like teeth must have been like gross. Yeah, I can imagine. For the most part. That's what I'm imagining. So eventually Louis and Marie Antoinette do have sex and it is um getting awkward because his brother has a baby with his wife, the Countess de Provence, and that's her sister-in-law. So that baby is next in line. So everyone's really, really mad at Marie Antoinette. And she's like, I don't know what to do. I'm in bed with this man. Like nothing's happening. And he does tell someone that he does have, he does manage to get hard and then like be with her for like two minutes. But then he like pulls out and doesn't ejaculate. And that's not how babies are made. And he just yeah. leaves. Yeah, it's not going to cut it. So whatever happens, guess how long it took them after they got married to finally have sex? Uh, a week. Seven years. That's not a happy marriage. No, it's a long time. So she's finally, she's super happy. She's like writing to her mother because her mom was like, you have to have a baby, you know? So she's like, we finally had sex and she gets pregnant. She has a baby. It's a girl, her first baby, which, you know, is a bummer. But another, like, ridiculous pomp and, and ceremony thing is when she has a baby, everyone is there because they need to see the umbilical cord attached to the baby, attached to the mom to prove that he's, like, there, you know? So crazy. And, like, when I had my babies, I was, like, I would, like, the nurse and the doctor and my husband, please. Like, nobody else. I know, but Some if people, you're... people, like, want to have their families there, which is fine. But, like, 50 people crowding in the room, that's bad. But if Flo was the heir to, like, California, you know? You'd have to then, I guess. I guess you'd have but also, to. also, I could take a DNA test and be like, she's mine. Like, oh, she's yeah, that's right. that's right. That's right. You know. Yeah. Fair like, enough. Physically see it. Um, she does. She, um, Brie Antoinette passes out, and they make everybody leave the room. And then later, um, Louis changes it where you don't have to have that many people in the room, which is very nice, because <laughs> you don't need 50 people in the room to do that. Her life so, seems, seems this, fun, but also a nightmare. Yes, exactly. So other stuff is happening, but eventually she does have four children. So Marie Therese is her first daughter. She was born in 1778. She actually lives until 1851. So she lives to be to be a little bit older. Then there is, she has a son named Louis-Joseph Xavier Francois, he dies in childhood. Childhood, He dies when he's about eight years old. He was very sickly. And then she has another son who's Louis the 17th. And he also died when he was young. He died when he was about 10. And she had another daughter who was born in 1786 who died after a year. So two of her boys live into childhood. Um, one infant dies. And then her first daughter does live for a long time. Okay. So a lot of babies die during this time. The French Revolution definitely had a part of this as well. So it's in the Marie Antoinette movie, it was like wrong about the number of kids she had, which is weird because it's like a difference of three and four. And the ending was also like oversimplified it, but still like um one thing that the movie with Kirsten Dunst, I think does that like I didn't appreciate it the first time I saw it is like Marie Antoinette was a really good mother. She really wanted to be with her kids. She wanted to, you know, feed them herself and spend time with them usually in this time like you just didn't do that so she really was a good mom so before and during this time is like 10 years where she's having kids here is a non-sequential list of interesting shit that happened 
during this time. So the current king was a grandfather to Louis XVI. He has a mistress named Madame Duberry, and there's an interesting tension between Madame Duberry and Marie Antoinette. Um, Duberry was from a poor family. She was a sex worker, but the king liked her so much that he had her marry someone at court so that she could be around. Wow. Which is ridiculous. Um, her husband was like, you need to be nicer to the king so that we can have more stuff. So it was definitely like she Arrange. would be with the king and then the husband. Yeah, all the things. So eventually she was presented at court as the king's mistress. And the first time they tried to present her, she was so nervous. She broke her ankle running away. But eventually she lived in apartments with a secret tunnels to the king, which happens a lot in Versailles. There's like secret tunnels to different people's apartments, different people's rooms. So she's living in apartments with tunnels to the king. She ends up living a really fancy life. She's friends with Voltaire. She's sort of just like at court having a blast. And Marie Antoinette, when she gets there, she's like, I don't want to talk to her. Like she's like a harlot. She's not someone that I want want to associate with right and the king is like you ha you have to talk to her she's my girlfriend and it's like creating a lot of tension in the palace so eventually on new year's day 1772 marie antoinette goes up to madame duberry and says there are many people at versailles today and then walks away but that was enough to make her happy right so she wouldn't be like as exiled so the king, he dies in 1774. He died of smallpox. He didn't think he had smallpox because he thought he had it when he was young. So they thought that, like, he was immune to it. And then also later, like, Louis XVI gets inoculated to smallpox. They're doing that now. And so he like, gets, like, the vaccine, quote, quote. But the king is like, gosh, if I didn't know any better, I think I had smallpox. <laughs> but, like, no one tells him he has smallpox because... They're like embarrassed because he thought that he had it when he was a kid. And he eventually dies of that. And Marie Antoinette becomes the king of France. And Louis becomes Louis XVI, the king of France. So Wait, you just said Marie king Antoinette. Louis... Marie becomes the queen of France. Okay. Yep. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So King Louis has some meddlesome, meddlesome aunts. Um, in the movie, they're like, it's Molly Shannon and then another lady who played. Um, moaning myrtle and harry potter and they're just well, like no always way. gossiping and you know tons of there's tons of gossip they're cute but they um one of the aunts dies having her 10th child and they described it as like there was just blood everywhere which is wow. gross and, and terrifying so politically and socially france is falling apart so you might remember there have been this is a revolutionary time france gives aid to the americans People are starting to say things like, maybe we should share the wealth. The way the king spent money is crazy. Like Marie Antoinette had a coffer of money that was like her allowance, but she overspent it constantly. And it was like, you know, having like a million dollars a month. It's like when you see the, the celebrities get divorced and the um, alimony is like $600,000 a month. And you're like, it's crazy. what? <laughs> yeah. Kevin Costner's wife so, just did that, I think. Yeah, that's that's bananas. <laughs> She doesn't know that much, but that's how much money she's she's spending. There's so much money. There's also a weird thing, which where surprise, surprise, rich people are not taxed. So that makes poor people really mad because it should. Um, the French people are starving. So there in 1775, there's a flower war, flower like F-L-O-U-R war. And people like they can't price of bread is going up they are just like literally starving in the streets this is where they say that she said let them eat cake and the idea of being like them being like you know 
your majesty, the people of France, of France are starving. They don't have any bread. And she looked around and her room is like full of cakes. And she's like, well, let them have cake, you know, but she, she didn't say really, that, but that's yeah, what. She, yeah, okay. I was going to say, I, I, I yeah, heard the rumor. Yeah. She didn't really say that, but that's the idea that she's like, so just drowning in food, you know, while people are starving and like, doesn't really understand. So people are starving and pissed. Um, also just as an aside, she's very Catholic and she's still going to mass all the time. She's really like stays really religious. Her family from her brother's a Holy Roman emperor. They're in Austria. They are trying to keep their power and grow their power. So there's some people that are like kind of scheming to have Marie Antoinette have more of a political leaning, kind of like Catherine the Great, but she just doesn't have that like bone in her body. Um, this entire time, there is a man named Comte de Mercy, and he has been by Marie Antoinette's side the whole time. He came from Austria. He whispers things to her. She confides in him, and he is in constant contact with her mother. And so sometimes she'll like tell him a secret, and he'll tell her mom. So there's this person who always has Austria on his, you know, on his brain, trying to do stuff for Maria Therese, and she just trusts people because she doesn't understand these political deals and this thing that she's a part of. Like she doesn't understand what's going on in Europe. She doesn't really like, she doesn't really think about it, you know? Right. She's kind of being used by a lot of people. Her brother, Emperor Joseph II is the Holy Roman Emperor. He's very involved in like her and Louis not having sex. He's like, you have to do this. You have to have a baby. And um, he needs to do things for Austria. There's a war of Austrian secession in this time, but he visits Marie Antoinette at Versailles she's always really happy to see him so he's like the sibling that she sees like again after this I don't think she sees maybe any of her others um she also has a couple girlfriends like her ladies-in-waiting so there's the princess de Lamballe, who's her best lady-in-waiting um they're she's always around they're partying together they're gambling they're going to Paris they're creating their plays and musicals they're like always together she also has a friend named the Duchess of Polignac and so she's a little bit sassier people don't really love her being with him um, being with her, but she's like, no, she's so fun. I like love to be around her. So she's one of her favorite friends as well. So she has these friends. She has her family kind of meddling in her business. Um, she does really, really love her kids. I think I said this before I jumped my gun, but she wants to be with her kids more. A lot of the tradition in this time was like, you'd have a child and you kind of like give it to tutors until it was like 10, you know, right. and then you would like take it and get to know it. But she really wanted to be with them. Um, she also adopted some kids to be with her kids. Adopted in air quotes as well. So like she stole had like a, a poor person's a child, poor, basically. A hundred percent. She had like a poor girl follow her da her daughter around, and they would do all the same things. They would like wear the same clothes and learn the th same things to keep her humble, which is weird. Um, she also had an enslaved child named Jean Amilcar, and she really he was from Senegal, and she sent him to boarding school and paid for him to go to boarding school until when she died, um, then they couldn't pay for that anymore. And he ended up like on the streets and he became an artist and he died pretty young. But so she had like a bunch of kids around. Um, her daughter did not like her. She's like very, very haughty and like not very nice to her. So there's like a story where someone was like, oh, your mother, like she's, you know, could be um, like something could happen and she could die. And the daughter was like, I wouldn't care. You know, and they were like, well, do you know what death is? And she's like, yeah, it means you don't see them again. I wouldn't care. My dad loves me more than my mom. So rich, even though rich I kids, Antoinette, yeah, I think that she, you know, really, want, I truly believe she wanted to be a good mother. Um, So, but her daughter was kind of a brat. 
So her first son, he died when he was like five or no, he was eight. But when he was eight, he weighed 16 pounds, which is huge. No big. Oh, when he was eight years old. No. Yes. Bad, 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 bad. bad. Wow. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. My eight year old weighs 50 pounds and she's small. You know, like he was super sick, like super wasting away. And he passed away when he was young. Um, so she's, you know, she has another son who who's going to be her son for who's going to be around until he's 10. But he does like later. So she's still spending money. At one point, this is fun. Ambassadors from India come to visit. And so they've never really seen like they've never seen people dressed like this. The people of Versailles have never like smelled Indian food cooking before. And like no one will try it. They're scared. Which is makes sense and fun, yeah. And so she really, really like loves the way these ambassadors from India look. And so she has Madame Tussaud, like of the Wax Museum, make um like wax mannequins of them so she can keep them at Versailles and always see them. It's pretty cool. So, like the real Madame Tussaud is, is in this story. Yeah, I didn't know she was that old. Yeah. Um. So. It seems like everything was pretty hectic. She gets, at one point, I mean, people in France are starving, and Louis buys a chateau for her, which is, like, you know, a bigger house than, like, you've ever seen. So she can, like, go somewhere and be calm and get away from Versailles with her kids. She also, on the grounds of Versailles, makes a fake French village in 1777. It's part of the gardens. Yeah, they built houses and had farms. There were real gardeners, um, real animals. She would wear simple dresses and kind of like walk around her little town. There's like defense that she wasn't like pretending to be poor, but she was like trying to have like the simplicity of it. I don't know. And like it definitely wasn't real. Like there was a barn, but inside the barn, it was a ballroom, you know? And she would like be like oh let's get some goats let's have, let's have them all be brown with one dot you know she could like pick things that like a farmer can't pick you know what i mean but i thought the reason why she did that was because that was her only way to try and experience what normal life was like i don't know if she was trying to like experience the life of a normal person <laughs> i think she was trying to simplify her life but maybe that's the same thing yeah maybe i don't know so she spent a lot of time there i now have a side quest for us this is one of my favorite side stories did you say boo to a side quest no i said ooh. let's see oh okay the opposite of a boo so (laughs) okay perfect so i'm gonna tell you about the time skip of the moberly jordan incident have you ever heard of this probably not uh it sounds like a haunting but i doubt it is Kind of. So on August 10th, 1901, two British teachers, Charlotte Ann Moberly and Eleanor Jardine, went to Versailles. They were living in, they were British school teachers. One of them was living in Paris and they were like, you guys should get to know each other because you're going to work together. So she went to visit. They went to Versailles itself and it was, they were like, like you said, like, yeah, 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 we get it. It's pretty. They didn't love it. And they decided to go to another building, but it was closed. So they're kind of wandering around the gardens of Versailles. And then one of them said, quote, everything suddenly looked unnatural, therefore unpleasant. Even the trees seemed to become flat and lifeless, like woodworks in a tapestry. There were no effects of light and shade and no wind stirred the trees. So they're walking and things are like kind of feeling weird. Then they see a little cottage and a woman is in the window waving a handkerchief at them. They see two men dressed like 
really, really nicely. And they told them to like, oh, continue on, walk down this path. They ended up in a part of the garden and there was a bench and on the bench was a man and he had like a face that was pockmarked from smallpox and he looked at them and they felt like crazy terror, like he was evil. And then they kept walking past him and they walked over a bridge and there was another man with another fancy hat and he showed them the way to the house they were looking for. On their way over the bridge, one of them saw a woman with like big blonde hair and a white dress sketching in the garden. So when they got back, they like kind of talked about it like that was weird. You know, like what what was all that? What did we see? And they went back to Versailles again and they couldn't find the bench and they couldn't find the bridge. So weird. they they wrote a book about it called An Adventure and they published it like under pseudonyms. But they said that like they saw ghosts. Like that was Marie Antoinette. And that was like people from the 16th, the 18th century, like being there. And so obviously people like critique them and think that they're lying or they accidentally walked into a costume party or something. But I think it's fun to think that maybe they like accidentally walked into Marie Antoinette, like in her little village. Um, one of the critiques called it a, a lesbian folly ado, which made me laugh because like, <laughs> like I don't even know, who knows if they're lesbians, but like a lesbian folly ado is hilarious. And I'm going to yeah, call everything like... that two women do together that. <laughs> I was like, where did the like, lesbian the part come like, from? It's just like they're two like spinsters living together. So maybe they were, you know, like they were roommates. That means they were lesbians. But either way, that's not the point. The point is that, that it's funny to call people that. It could have been a fancy dress party, but anyway, I hope it's true. That's that, that would be, so be fun. That'd be fun. That'd be really cool. Yeah. I love it. Anyway, so that's that time skip. So the French people are getting mad they're seeing all this money that she's spending there's an affair with a diamond necklace where there's this really 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 expensive necklace it has like 600 diamonds on it it's like more expensive than anything ever madame duberry had wanted it at one point but someone dressed like a fancy person goes to these jewelers and says marie antoinette wants this necklace but it has to be a secret so she can pay you in installments but she definitely wants it but don't tell anyone because everyone's mad and then that, that woman also gets a cardinal from the church who Marie Antoinette does not like to help her with that. So the woman is like, Cardinal, let's go meet the queen in the garden. He meets this woman who says she's Marie Antoinette in the garden and says, please get this necklace for me. I promise I'll like help. I'll pay for it. Um, but it's not her. It's all like a scam. Yes, and people so, don't know what anybody looks like, really. Yeah, and it's, like, dark and, like, whatever. It could have been anyone, you know? So everyone loses money. The jewelers are, like, what do we do? Like, we have to be paid for this, you know? And they, like, go to the queen, and she's, like, I don't know what you're talking about. And there's a trial, and she's really mad because she's, like, going to ruin her reputation. And it totally does. People, like, think that she did this thing to, like, try to discredit this cardinal and all these things. It's not good. Everyone's yeah. embarrassed. Turns out terribly. So sentiment is bad because of that, because of the village, because of the chateau, because of all these things. Um, another thing that's happening is, is she does have an affair with a Swedish um, dude, I wrote dude, but he's like a, a military guy named Axel von Fersen, the younger, aka Fount Fersen, Count Fersen, so I'm calling him Fersen. He had been to America from to help in the Revolutionary War. In 1774, he went to Versailles and at a party, he and Marie Antoinette talked for a while and he didn't know who she was. So that's like, he was like, this woman's great. And like, they just like, he didn't realize that she was the queen. And right. he came back four years later and, and she saw him and she said, oh, you're an old friend. Like she remembered meeting him, you know, 
because he was cute and like he made her feel sexy and he would be in and out of her life forever for the rest of her life. Some people think that her last two kids are actually Furson's kids and not Louis the 16th. Some people are like, oh, yeah. Some people are like, oh, they're just really good friends, which is so stupid because like, who cares? Like it's been 300 years, you know? So, (laughs) but um, like he had rooms below hers that were connected. So tons of tunnels connecting him to her. In the 1800s, his family had a bunch of his letters and he sold them, but they were heavily edited. Like people had crossed out like big paragraphs of them, which you don't do if it's not a love letter, you know? Right. And um, he tried to save her a few times. There's letters from first into his sister that are like, oh, I just love this woman so much. I don't know what to do. He also was like a real pro-monarchy guy. He thought that like kings were appointed by God. So just like being around her was like magical for him as well, you know? Yeah. Um. The king knew or whatever, but I don't, but he, you know, I don't think he like particularly like cared too, too much. He just was like content to like do his, do his own thing. And he was, he was also sleeping with other people. No, he wasn't, but he just really? wasn't into it. Okay. Yeah. He was like, asexual. Peter III was into it. Yeah. I think he was asexual. You know, he just like, it just wasn't, wasn't his jam, which is fine. He didn't, so he was like, okay, I know my wife needs, needs this. So after the revolution, people found his rooms under his bed and they were like, under her, under her bed, under her, her rooms, like the secrets and stuff. And they were like, oh, interesting. You know, like it was very clear that they were like, he was sneaking around. Um, other things that happened, um, Lafayette is there. So uh, Lafayette, who was, you know, the French guy who came to America to help George Washington, he goes back to help with the French Revolution, but he wants to compromise. He's like, you know, the, the French, France is like, we want to totally abolish the, mo- the monarchy. Lafayette is like, we think we can make a compromise, have a constitutional monarchy like Britain. Like, let's try to figure this out. In 1789, in July, the Bastille is stormed. So, yada, 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 a lot of that. But there's like a ton of um, unrest, a ton of riots. This is an insurrection. They storm the Bastille, which is a jail in Paris, and they let everybody out. So this is like, the regular folks who are who are having the revolution from the Bastille. And in that, like they're killing people and putting their heads on sticks. So it's like yeah. a very brutal day. Um, in October, 1789, they come and they storm Versailles. So this sounds like very, very scary. Like, so it's the middle of the night and they do this in, in the film, I think, well, because it gives a feeling like it's the middle of the night. She doesn't know where her kids are. She doesn't know where Louis is because everyone's in separate bedrooms. There's all these corridors. There's all these secret passages. And people are starting like running up to, to Versailles. They even have a hard time closing the doors because the Versailles had never been closed. People were just kind of welcome to come in and out, you know? So they like try to lock the doors. It's chaos. Everyone's crying. Lafayette comes and tries to help them, um, but they get end up getting taken to Paris. So but while they're still at Versailles, kind of the last time that she's there, they, the crowd yells that they want to see the queen. So she goes out in the balcony with her children and they say, no children, we just want to see you. So she sends the kids back in and she does a bow to them. And a couple of people are like, bring her to Paris. And some people are like, long live the queen. Cause they kind of like that, like bow that she did to them. But bring her to Paris to kill her though. Yes, but not for a few years. She, she's essentially under arrest for um treason and conspiracy and for spending all of the country's money got she it, definitely got it. spent a lot of money she contributed so a lot taking to the, that taking the, yes so they have a few chances to escape but they like 
don't, they don't want to leave France. That would be seen as like terrible. Nobody trusts her because of her Austria connection. So I don't know how much she actually knew that she was like passing information to Austria, but she was constantly doing that because the people around her were like kind of betraying her and sent telling stuff to other countries in Europe. They have a plot to escape where they, um, at one point, they like dress like they're peasants and get into a carriage and they ride for a couple of days out into the countryside and then they eventually get caught and have to go back. But before they left, Louis the Sixteenth wrote a letter on his desk that was on his desk that said like "fuck you, I never would have compromised with you, I hate you all" or something like, really hilarious. And and then when he got caught and brought back, he was like, "I didn't, I didn't mean that letter." <laughs> takes takes you back, see. <laughs> Which is so funny. Um, this whole time, Furson is like helping her, trying to help her um, get out of it. Um, he thinks that she dies a couple times. She sends him a letter that just says, I exist and I love you, you know, just trying to do it. They try to escape a couple times. Technically, they're prisoners. They have to, um, you know, things are starting to change. Like she does have, obviously she has her ladies in waiting there with her. Louis' six sister is there with them. So it's, they're not alone yet. But Things are like drastically different. So at one point, Marie Antoinette is in like her room in this prison, which is probably like more beautiful than any room I'd ever be in. But one of the guards is talking to her and he like, kind of gets tired and he sits on the edge of her bed to talk to her. And she's just like, what is happening? You know, that's just like, something that would be like, you would get your head cut off for doing that at Versailles. So it's just things are starting to change. It goes on for years. And the people taunt her whenever she's out. Like they like bring her from building to building to like question her. People will like run past the carriage with like little tiny guillotines and like wave them in the air at her. Wow. They, like, wow, that is don't that is dark. Dark. The king won't succeed um secede. They're like He's like, no, I can't. Like, he can't do it. He had opportunity to. He could have saved his family, but he, like, didn't because he wanted to save the monarchy. So while they're still living together as a family in this prison, Madame Lambal, which is her first lady-in-waiting, she was, like, Marie Antoinette's best friend, is taken and guillotined. So here's what they do to her. They take her head and they put it on a stick. And they bring it to the jail to show Marie Antoinette the head of her friend. So some people say that insane so they say that they heard a scream from the window but it was actually the jailer's wife and marie antoinette never actually saw the head some say that the head had like her her hair was just like matted and covered in blood and you couldn't really tell it was her so there's a rumor that they took the head to a hairdresser and had her hair fixed so that marie antoinette could you know could recognize her somehow um, that's even more then, grotesque no it's gross and then her body the they ripped off all of her clothes, left her naked body on the street, and ripped her heart out. Jesus. Like, Jesus. Okay. So, like, when we talk about, like, people in, like, the ancient past being brutal, like, this was not too long ago. Yeah. <laughs> you know? They did this to her. So, other people that were they were with died. Um, other people who were guillotined, Madame Dubarry was the... the past king's mistress the comtesse de noy was she was the one that was the bad of etiquette um marie Antoinette's sister-in-law elizabeth de france she was guillotined as well so a lot of people are dying they get sent to a dungeon um there's no servants she wants to be with her children she tries to teach them things um eventually the king knows that it's over so you know lots of reasons where they get to it but the king is going to be going to be killed obviously robespierre is there he's the guy who like loves the guillotine and was like responsible for tons of beheadings and 
He spends an, the king spends an evening with his family. He says he'll come back in the morning, but he doesn't. He changes his mind because someone tells him it would be too hard for him to go back and see them again. So he doesn't. He leaves her a ring and he has a lock of her hair. And by 10 a.m. on September 21st, 1792, he is killed by guillotine. Yeah. When she heard the, when Marie Antoinette from jail heard the bells announcing that he had been killed, she bowed to her son, who was technically the new king, but um, he was never officially king it's like you don't want that role now son (laughs) yeah no want that role things are bad (laughs) so then they took her kids which is so sad because she really loved her kids like i just she like they would take took her son and she could hear him but she couldn't see him so she would spend all day trying to like peek through the bars of her prison just to like see her son she just like missed him so much um her daughter was eventually sent away after all the deaths and she was exiled and then back and then exiled again like I said, she lived to be like 60. But this son, for fuck's sake, is what I wrote. So this second son of hers, the one who was Louis, technically Louis the Seventeenth of France, but he was never actually um, king. He was 10 years old when they're in this prison. And his, he gets this tutor who is this like, they called him an alcoholic cobbler, which is not the kind of person you want to be teaching your child. And he sort of told the the boy to like say bad things about his mom so he wanted to say like he said he was like say horrible things about your mother and i guess the jailers caught the boy like touching himself because he's like a 10 year old boy and they made him say and like made him believe essentially that his mom and his aunt would like watch him masturbate and like lay in bed with him when he did that which is not true so marie Antoinette was like that's not true. Like you can make a kid say anything, you know, and they were like telling him these terrible things about his mother, but they made, they kind of spread that rumor, which also made one of her um, charges incest. Jeez. Yeah. They did her dirty. And yeah. And so maybe he believed that it happened, but like he was a kid and like they asked his sister, did it happen? And she was like, it absolutely didn't happen. But then she also like is part of this like real world so she's like if my brother said it happened maybe it did because he knows more than me because he's a boy you know like stuff like that like so it's like believe 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 children of course but also they made him do this and also right? like in a situation where the entire country and now everybody in power is saying that like you and your family are the bad ones you're gonna align yourself with power yeah. right yeah mm-hmm. yeah exactly so in her last letter, um, she did. She forgave her son. She was like, "They can. He's just a child. You know. She loved him so much." Um, now she's alone in a dungeon for a while. Um, she has there's a girl named Rosalie who is her like only servant. She's a servant. She reads books. She prays. She cries. She doesn't eat. She loses like a bunch of weight. She um, is 37, but they say that she looks like she's like 60. You know, her hair turns gray. She's kind of wasting away in there. Um, Count Ferson tries to help her, but he can't. He just cannot help her. Um, there's a thing that happens where she's accused of sending messages via flower petal that she was writing like messages in a flower to someone else. It's called the carnation affair. So she was like being, you know, told about other things or kind of accused of other things in the, in the interim. So eventually the three big things that Marie Antoinette is, is tried on are conspiring with foreign powers, the, the depletion of the state treasury and of committing high treason by acting against the security of the French state. So she was kind of trying to incest, but not really. She said, I'm a mom. I would never do that. And then all the women who happened to be there were like, oh my God, totally. So they threw it out because 
it actually got her some sympathy because she was like, look what they're trying to do to my son, you know, right? trying to do that. Um, she might have commit, she might have actually committed treason. So like one book says that she did, it's kind of complicated. So like she was, they were trying to save their version of France. So they were like trying to get help from foreign powers to save the monarchy. So that's treason against the revolution. Technically, you know, Which you would expect them to do because if they're not successful to get beheaded. Yes, exactly. So she had no, no chance. In, in this so on october 17th 1793 she's convicted and sentenced to death she writes a letter to her sister-in-law who isn't dead yet asks for forgiveness she's wearing a simple white dress and a bonnet when they come to get her they cut off her hair all the way to the neck so the cut her hair really short which makes sense because i feel like hair would get in the way of guillotining someone and it'd be gross so they cut her hair they put the bonnet back on and they take her to the scaffolds where this is going to happen the executioner, his name is Charles-Henri Sansant. He's someone who is an executioner. I think he also guillotined the king. And on the way up the steps, she accidentally steps on his foot. And she looks at him and she says, pardon me, sir. I didn't mean to. And those are her last words. Aww. She was taken to the scaffold at 12.15. She was beheaded. They held up her head and yelled, long live the Republic. She was buried in a poor section of Paris, but before she was buried, um, the people who worked at the at the um, cemetery were on lunch break, and Madame Tussaud snuck in and took her death mask. So we do technically know what she looked like because we have the death mask of Marie Antoinette that Madame Tussaud herself made. That's pretty um, cool. And I know you asked. That. It's super cool. I know you asked me about. This is what she really looked like. So if you compare the death, the death mask to the paintings, there's a little bit of obviously stylization in the paintings. Looks like her nose is a little more like hooked than it is in the paintings, but it's pretty close. And there's a website called Royalty Now that takes like death masks and paintings and descriptions into account and, and tries to say like what people really did look like. Um, so I think that the I think that the paintings are pretty close. Yeah, I would say so. Looking at the death mask. Yeah. Yeah. Um, after the the revolution, Louis's brother becomes king and he moves her body, which is just bones and a little bit of hair and clothes, to to the Basilica Cathedral of Saint Denis in Saint Denis, I'm sure Saint Denis, Saint Denis, France. And it is eighteen miles from Versailles, and that's where she is buried today with Louis. So is she a tragic figure or I think she's know. tragic in that she was just a little girl put into a, she didn't know any better, you know? And then you can say like, sure, she should have known better, but also everyone's telling you that you're super special. Everyone is confiding in you with things. Everyone's kind of keeping her in a, I don't know, they're kind of keeping her in a perpetual state of like, do this. Oh, just, oh, you just eat, you just drink, you just have fun. You just do these things. No big deal. Or they're like kind of scheming around her to do other things and things are happening that she doesn't understand and she doesn't take interest in them. So like, that's her fault. She could have taken more interest in them, but also like, you know what, you know, you have to be like super dialed in, I think to even know what to pay attention yeah, to. You have to be, yeah. You have to be Catherine the Great and she wasn't Catherine the Great, but like no one is. <laughs> So yeah, I don't blame her. yeah, you know, yeah. I've always uh, kind of looked at it as a, kind of like a probably an unfair telling. It is a story of excess that 
-hmm. it is nice to look at and say, oh, well, the rich ones are the shitty, evil, horrible people. And that's true in a lot of cases, but there's people who are kind of born into things and circumstances and they're yeah. no more at fault for their ignorance than someone who was born into poverty is for their poverty. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. She's not, she's not that let the meat cake villain for sure. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. She sounds awesome. Kind of fun. Yeah. Let's uh, that was a really well-researched, well-done episode. And I'm going to also call out the Marie Antoinette piece of it. So there, again, that other show that I always harp on, um, you're wrong about also did like a three-part series mm -hmm. on Marie Antoinette as well. And that's outside of this episode. That's the only other place I've like learned about her and her history. Um, mm -hmm. So that's also a good, good listen to for more historical context in case folks were interested. Yeah. And the, totally. And the, the books I read are actually great. Like the Marie Antoinette, the journey by Antonia Frazier is so good. It's like I minute by minute, you're 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 terrified when she's in the jail you know she's gonna die the next day and you're so, so sad for her and you're so worried and like all these things so it really is it really is great um would I'll you link to that and have a would you go by um guillotine i actually think yes it sounds it sounds kind of nice <laughs> because it happens so fast i think much rather guillotine than like a dude with an axe like and, and you don't and you don't and you don't see it right because you're head down yeah, your head's down. I think both cases your head's down, but your head's down and it happens like in half a second and your head falls yeah. into a basket, you know, but like the axe guy can like buck up and like cut your shoulder or like maybe it takes six times. You know what I mean? If you get a bad axe guy. So I think having a guillotine, I mean, that's what it was made for, right? To like speed up that process. Right. <laughs> like, such more humane. I, am I think Robespierre ended up being guillotined himself. Good. I'm not sad about that. He's the guy who, yeah, Maximilian Robespierre, the man who loved being guillotined. Or well, he didn't love people. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, he loved guillotines. Um, but I think he, I think he gets guillotined anyway. He's someone we could talk about later at length as well because he is crazy. Yes, <laughs> yes. The French luckily has a rich history of crazy crazy people um well taylor thanks for thanks for sharing do we have any listener mail um no i have a couple people have reached out and said they've been listening which is super fun and i sent some stuff about our email list so hopefully people can join that you know if you don't get the push notifications if you just want to like know what we're up to and kind of pick what you what you're what you're um listening to um you can do that and that's all going to be in the show notes and on our website and everything so yeah please continue to um, listen give us ideas we love them and thank you so much we're at doomed to fail pod on all of the socials and youtube and our email is doomed to fail pod at gmail.com Sweet. Awesome. Thanks, everyone. Cool. Thanks, Taylor. Have Thanks. a safe Thanks, trip Mars. to San Diego. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm going to shut this down and.